When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. We are live here on YouTube. Matthew Collar, along with look who it is, Brian Murphy. Normally we do Monday morning Murph, but that would have been sexless because they hadn't played against the 49ers yet. So now it's Wednesday evening Murph, less catchy, just as exciting. What's going on, Murph? How are you? A very special edition. Very, very special edition. Maybe a moral. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, kind of, it, it is odd being here, like in between games, a little bit looking ahead, not as much looking back. Uh, but what an interesting uh, bracket of games we have here after what the Vikings obviously doing what they needed to do on Monday, but doing it in in pretty solid fashion and revealing fashion in some ways. And uh, you know, with the way the Packers are kind of backpedaling here, it's it's an ideal time to go to Lambeau and keep that momentum. All right, so I've got three questions that were emailed to me that are pertinent and I want to get to. But let me throw this out there to start. We'll go with exactly what the headline to the episode says, which is, are we overreacting to the Vikings win over the 49ers? But I want you to answer this through the lens of two different contexts. One being, like, do we now think they're suddenly good after they just scored one touchdown on offense against Chicago the week before? And then to the other side, uh, the folks who think that you'll never get another quarterback who isn't named Kirk Cousins ever in the rest of your life, uh, that could be potentially an overreaction as well. Do you think uh, either one of those sides of this coin are overreacting or do you think that they are suddenly good and that they did just win themselves out of their next quarterback? That was a compound question, I, I believe, is what they call it in the industry. I do believe it's an overreaction. It's always an overreaction. We overreact to every game, almost every drive in a way. Um, but I think why why this one – look, I'm not even buying that they're going to the playoffs. But I what, I what I saw the other night with the way they responded, the way they sort of challenged themselves during the week uh, and, and even said, look, we're taking on, a, we're taking on the schoolyard bully. He's in our schoolyard. Uh, we're going to match them blow by blow. We're going to play them physically and we're going to beat them at their strengths. And that's exactly what the Vikings did. So I, I'm, I'm impressed the way they played on both sides of the ball, rising to the occasion. Cousins really with one of his you know top games in Minnesota. Um, and Jordan Addison, you know, not just taking the place of, of jo- uh, Justin Jefferson and and maybe just, you know, learning to kind of grow. He sees the moment and that was kind of good. To, I mean, he literally seize the moment after having uh, that interception, that reception ripped out of his hands to answer for that the way he did in dramatic fashion. It was good to see him uh, rise to the occasion and make plays when they mattered. It was good to see the offensive line suddenly kind of becoming a formidable force, both on in the run and certainly for protecting Cousins, who is really unblemished against a really ferocious 49ers defense. So in that sense, I don't know if it's an overreaction to say, they bought themselves some time, which is all, and and bought themselves another opportunity, which is what they did. But they earned it more than buying it, and I and I do believe it's an overreaction 
to think that this is the greatest game in the history of quarterbacking by Kirk Cousins. Look, uh, he he made huge, he was accurate, he was aggressive, he was protected, and he was confident. And he also was not just the best quarterback on the field, but was arguably the best player on the field. So he answered the bell. Uh, that's what I'm impressed with. I'm impressed with the fact that this was a season-defining game. This was a this was a death knock. I mean, the the, the 49ers were death knocking the Vikings and they responded. So, and they won at home and they rewarded their faithful. Normally I'd be like, well, you know, now, now, now they got to go into green Bay and deal with Aaron Rodgers, but they don't have to do that anymore. Now they're dealing with Jordan love who seems to be spinning his unproductive wheels. And the, the Packers are really banged up on defense. And I just, you know, there's an opportunity there. When you look at the schedule for the next seven weeks before they even have to face Detroit, uh, it opens up fairly favorably. So there's an opportunity again there. There's the opportunity. What are the Vikings going to do with it? Because they have so little margin for error. Uh, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to be very impressed, very anxious to see how they respond to this new opportunity and, and the opportunity to bury a division rival at home on their home field. Now, what about the other part? Did they ruin their quarterback future by beating the 49ers? No, because I don't think there's anything guaranteed. We, we talked about this anyway. Was anybody really going to step up and throw an offer on the table that was so enticing that that Kirk Cousins was going to waive his no trade clause? No. So I didn't. I wasn't necessarily buying into the hype that he was going to be moved by the deadline. I was buying into the hype that the team may be dismantled in other in other ways before the deadline. And now you're going to be signaling, you know, surrender. And yeah, there may be a tank effort there. I don't think this team is that bad where they're going to, they were going to go four and 13. I mean, this, the, there, there's enough talent and enough pride there that if they are going to fall and they are still teetering on the edge of falling, uh, they're going to fall in a, in a, in a, in a more competitive, competitive uh, deconstruction as opposed to a competitive rebuild. How about that? Yeah, I like that. Well, I think that what people are following down the line is not just trading Kirk, which, yeah, we discussed would have been really tough and seemed more like a great television topic for like a, a four minute segment where I yell at you and you yell at me and someone says they need to trade him and someone says, no, they don't like, I don't know, but it never seemed realistic with the logistics that would go into that. Plus the no trade clause. We've been over it. But if you go farther down that hole, you end up with they beat San Francisco. Kirk Vember happens and he beats a bunch of bad defenses. By the way, I looked at all the defenses they're playing in terms of quarterback rating against. There's only one in the next seven weeks over 15th. They play with some of the worst passing defenses in the league. We know this story. So Kirk plays great against bad passing defenses. They win a bunch of games. He's had stretches in his career, Murph, over five, six, seven games. They're unbelievable. I mean, like MVP, 120 quarterback rating in 2019, 18 touchdowns, one pick in the middle of that season where he was on fire with Kevin Stefanski. And yet, you know, the end result has always kind of been the same. But if he has that stretch, stretch again they win games they get into the playoff race he plays well then we talk about them just needing a defensive tackle and then we're you know they should extend him and i think that's where people are starting to follow it down because if you lose to san francisco 
and your playoff odds are down to almost nothing, then even if you win some of those games, you're not looking at making the postseason. You get back to four and four, though, your chances are good, in my opinion, to make the playoffs, especially in a pretty putrid conference. And if they make the playoffs, they win a playoff game in the last moment where he throws a ball to TJ Hawkinson for a touchdown and history just repeats itself over and over and over until Kirk Cousins retires at age 79. That is that would be the thing that that people are thinking about after that win. Yeah, and that's fine if you if you want to to say, look, this the the Cousins experiment has been wrung dry. We know what we're getting. It's baked in. It's He's he's he 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 has these flourishes in these moments uh, where he looks like the guy that's going to take you deep into January and maybe even into a Super Bowl. And then he has moments where it doesn't look like he's played at this level for years. So but he's also what I look at, you know, all of these battle scars and there have been every time we seem to be ready to write him off. He comes up with an excellent performance and really just sort of a pump the brakes on all the cousin speculation performance. What I get what you're saying, though, is that, you know, we're on a timeline here, right? The clock is ticking. He's 35. He's a lame duck. If he keeps racking up these numbers and he does say get another playoff win, I mean, he's going to take the Vikings to the cleaners if they're if they're interested in resigning him. And you've you you've you've tanked your own draft positioning down into the middle of the pack where you're not going to have an opportunity to draft the top level quarterbacks. I get all of that. Uh, but I still think, you know, if you're, if you're in a position with this roster and you're not going to dismantle it in the next two weeks, you got to ride Kirk out. I mean, this is what you're paying him that kind of money to do. And, and as much as we, we, we like to say he's a finished product, we know what we're going to get. Uh, he's still also the second best, the you know, most prolific passer in the league as we speak right now in terms of yards. His record doesn't say anything special. We've told, you know, we've been talking about one playoff victory in only what four or five games. Plus, uh, you know, his 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 ability to milk, let's say, every point out of lost causes over the course of his career has built up a reputation for, you know, a lot of noise. But I, I'm 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 impressed by the way he's he keeps rising to that occasion. And as as of right now, this is who you've got. This is who you're paying. You got to write it out. You're going to have to write it out to the bitter end. It's a very weird situation to be in because no the, because they played a phenomenal game and Kirk Cousins was nothing short of fantastic. And he has been many times, as you mentioned, in the playoff game against New Orleans. I mean, he makes, it's not only the throw to win the game, it's a throw to Adam Thielen that he drops in the bucket over his shoulder to get them right down to the goal line. I mean, these are clutch plays in the Superdome, uh, you know, Monday night football, which by the way, this show has never bought into that discussion about uh, him on Monday night football. I researched it one time and it looked- What, is he three and 10 now? Yeah, but I researched it and he played the same way he always played. It was just, he was usually playing for the worst team, which- maybe says something as well, but if you're playing Aaron Rodgers, well, that's, you know, usually what happens, but that that's not the point. He has so many times came up with these great games and nobody thinks that he can't do that. It's, it's not like every week he goes out there and plays like he did against Chicago. It's that, it's the whole formula of like, is this the quarterback is going to be able to take you somewhere or do you move on to try to draft another quarterback? And if you win nine games and miss the playoffs by a half a game or a tiebreaker, and then you draft 
20th or whatever you draft on 18th something, that's a lot harder to get Drake May at number 18. Not that they were ever going to be as bad as like Arizona or that's Carolina. Correct. Like that was never going to happen. The we're most not getting likely the top five pick, you know? Right. They were never going to have that. But if they were, they were going to go one in three or oh and three to start the season, one and four to start the season, which they did trade Kirk away, tank the rest of the year, draft that guy. I mean, I, I've just like I have a tank tattoo all over my body. I have so badly over the years wanted this team to go to the bottom, draft the quarterback. And then I sit here and watch Tua on a great team as a high draft pick. Burrow goes to the Super Bowl. Hey, look, the Jaguars look good now. Murph can't imagine why that is. Could it be Trevor Lawrence, who they picked number one overall, right? So like, this is a direction that I'm not alone here. I think a lot of people have wanted them to find that young quarterback, build up the roster, have, you know, even a Jalen Hurts situation where is he better than Kirk? Like, I don't know, but his team sure as heck is better than anything the Vikings have put out. And if you end up having Kirk play well enough to where they say, well, we're not going to find anybody better than him with the 18th overall draft pick and extend him, then how is anyone supposed to be convinced that history is, is going to be any different than it's been? So from that perspective, I don't think it's that much of an overreaction because that win swings your season to now beat a bad Packers team. And you're looking at that like potential to go to the playoffs. If they had lost, you're talking about three and five after eight games. And it's really difficult to get to the postseason from there. So it is a big swing game from that perspective and is not an overreaction. It is probably an overreaction to think every player on the team will have the best game that they've ever had, which happened like against San Francisco, the offensive line, Jordan Addison, Kirk cousins, like everybody, the defense, Brian Flores. I mean, that doesn't always happen. Um, so I, I don't think there's suddenly a great team, but I do think that they have suddenly swung themselves very much in the middle of the playoff race, which they could have been out of had they lost that game. And I think if you're a fan, you want that, don't you? I mean, I think that the practical, analytical, you know, look, the scenario you you laid out so, you know, wonderfully and have been for a long time makes all kinds of sense. I just don't know how you package that into a product that you're trying to sell week after week. And I don't know how you execute a subtle dive either. I mean, you know, there's, are, are we talking about just, just, are we talking about managing games not necessarily to lose, but to not win at all or to like, how, do, how does that even, what does that look like? What does a semi tank or a subtle tank look like over the course of 10 to 12 weeks? Because I, I still don't think even though if they would have lost to San Francisco, you could have put the stake in them proverbially. I get that. I still don't think they were going to lose eight out of their next 10. I do, I still don't think they were going to, finish the season, you know, five and 12 or even four and 13, they were going to hammer and tong their way as they always do to six wins, maybe seven wins. So you're not positioning yourself in that upper echelon anyway, to get that dream quarterback. So I, the only way to me is, is if they, they would have laid down in Chicago and they were very close to doing that. And then San Francisco finished them off. And look, I, I don't know if before the season we 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 kind of thought maybe the Bears would be more competitive in the division. The Packers were trying to figure themselves out. As good as the Lions have looked, though, they have looked somewhat vulnerable at times when they've lost. 
Uh, I don't think long term that's going to the, harm them much. But the fact that the Vikings don't face them until week 16, I mean, they have so much opportunity to stay within striking distance uh, throughout. And, and if the Lions, who do have a little bit more of a meat grinder schedule, you know, slip a little bit, I mean, those two of those last three games could have more meaning than just the Vikings trying to get into a wild card spot. The division could still be at stake. Long way to go. Two-game lead at any time in an NFL season is a, is a large lead. Uh, but it's there. It's possible. And if I'm a fan, that's what I'm I'm embracing the moment. Um, you're right. A nine win season that it, and and crawling into the playoffs isn't very inspirational. But, uh, you know, four and 13 just doesn't sound very inspirational, considering the journey you'd have to take of indifference to get there. No, that is true. However, they lose that game. They trade Daniel Hunter to the Jaguars. Who are they beating? the rest of the way. Like, how are they pressuring a quarterback? I mean, they, they might be able to pull some wins with the offense, but here's the, the thing about tanking or rebuilding or taking it apart or whatever is there is a huge difference between winning nine games and winning seven games. The team that drafted number one overall last year won seven games, and then they traded up and got Bryce Young. Now, I don't know how that's going to work out for them. Their team is terrible and it's going to take a couple years. So I'm not making any judgments on Bryce Young, but they have that opportunity to now build around that quarterback after making that trade up. If you win nine games and you're drafting 18th overall, it is much harder to trade up than it is if you're drafting 11th overall or 9th overall, and that can be the difference with a lot of teams in the middle. Think about it this way. Sure, let's capital buys capital, right. Yeah, right. Like, let's say the Arizona Cardinals bring back Kyler Murray and they win like four games. So they've got the number three overall pick or the number two overall pick. Somebody takes Caleb Williams first, probably the Bears. And then here's Arizona, but they want to stick with Kyler Murray. So they're going to trade out of that pick. If you're at 18, you ain't getting there. There's just no way you're trading all the way up to, to get it with all the teams that need quarterbacks. If you are ninth, you're trading up to get there potentially, or you're in that mix to be able to do that. So they may have just won themselves out of an opportunity to even be within striking distance if this thing plays out in the upcoming schedule the way that we think it might. And I know you said as fans, this is a season. It's happening now. Try to make the playoffs. Could be fun. Monday was really fun. We did great numbers on the post game show. Everybody was really excited. However, go back to when they lost last year against the Giants. What did I say to you the next day? I said, Murph, was it worth it? And you went, not really. <laughs> right? Like that, right? So that's the thing you're saying, Hey, ride the wave. Like because optics matter. Optics matter. They, they, they laid down at home and that's what was disappointing against the giants. That, but the, but the result is the same and it looks like it'll probably be the same this year. They are 18th in points for 20th in points against after seven games. Doesn't really look like a team that's competing for a super bowl, even though they just played great, but the inconsistency of this team It'd be really hard pressed to convince me they would go deep in the playoffs this year unless something went completely crazy. And if they don't see all of a sudden that has to be the standard now, like if they win this game in green Bay and they start getting on a run, we have to switch to no longer is the standard. Hey, have a fun season. Make sure you get a good draft pick or let's see what young players work out. Hopefully they make the playoffs. It goes back to you kept Kirk. 
you might keep him in the future. Now you have to go deep into the postseason. I just think that the 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 standard we have for them and the bar we set has to change if they're not going to do things that are going to be the rebuild side of this. I agree. And your honor, he has been bludgeoning me with this open and shut case for weeks. I vote to convict. I don't feel good about it, but I, I totally understand and, and get what you're saying. I, I just wouldn't, there's no living in the present that I, if you're, if you're looking at it as a, a pragmatic move for the franchise, a pragmatic moment for the franchise to shift away from the, if not failed, the unfulfilled Kirk Cousins era, I get all of that. Totally makes sense to me. Uh, I just want to know how you're packaging that. I want to know how you're selling that week after. I want to know what Kevin O'Connell says every week at the podium. I want to hear what Quasi has to say during the buy once the, this is done and he has to justify his, uh, hey, look, if you brought him in to be a cold-blooded shark from Wall Street, let him do his cold-blooded thing. But he's also got to answer for it, too, and he's got to answer for it in real time. So I'd love to hear what they have to say if that was the uh, – the plan all along. See, I think people would appreciate it. I mean, I really do. Even if they were four and four, hey, everybody would appreciate honesty. It never, that's, it, that's a commodity in the NFL. No, I mean, trading Daniel Hunter still, if they're four and four and they trade Daniel Hunter, there will be some who go, huh? What? Why you're four and four. You could make the playoffs. But if you look at their Super Bowl odds based on who they are, how they play all the metrics and everything else, you, you would come back to the conclusion that there's no reason to keep a valuable player on your team when you are not a strong enough team to reach the Super Bowl. But then you have practical issues like losing the locker room. As you mentioned, you, you're talking about what does Kevin O'Connell tell his team if you trade away Daniil Hunter in the middle of a playoff race? Like this win caused problems, Murph. Like I, I'm not saying that it wasn't great or that they couldn't get hot and win 10 games. I don't know. They could go into the playoffs if they block like that every week, they could go into the playoffs and be dangerous because you can beat anybody. If you give Kirk all day, we know that, but, but it causes complications. I should say to where it seemed they were clearly headed. And now it's like, now I don't know where they're headed. And I don't know if this road ends with Mark Wilf calling Quasi Adafo Mensa and saying, you know what? Kirk had another great season. He was top five in passing yards extend him for $45 million a year. And then you talk about messaging, you talk about selling something. If you go out in the first round or don't make the playoffs and then extend him, what is that message? That message is nine and eight is, is good enough for us. Hey, and I'm fine with that too. I mean, I, 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 I would love to hear, I would love to hear the justification for extending him. I'd love to hear the, uh, the philosophy of moving on without him based on what their record is. All of this is intriguing. It's all intriguing, but it all needs to play out over the next 10 weeks as well. And that's what makes it the most intriguing to me is that everything that happens week to week is still going to dictate all of that intrigue. And that's why we tune in. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. 
It's not as intriguing as a good pizza, though, Murph. Wouldn't you agree? Well, Little Caesars, is. Little Caesars would agree. And uh, all of you should make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during their pizza, pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza and pick the toppings you crave. You win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Pizza, pizza. Murph, Little Caesars, perfect for you as a Detroit guy. That's a great sponsor for you having you on this show. Yeah, I uh, spent a lot of time eating $5 Little Caesars pizzas that were basically handed to me because two of my buddies work there. So yeah, having buddies working in a pizza shop will pay off in a long way. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good times. Uh, so let's talk, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this from a different lens now. Let's say that you're the person who, when you hear rebuild, when you hear, hey, it would have been better if they lost for their future and so forth, you want to just rage out. You hate that. You, you want your team to win all the time. And I think that, you know, fans understand timelines better than they ever have before, which is why we have these discussions. But there's a lot of people who a win is a win. Let's make the playoffs. Let's be competitive. Let's beat San Francisco in the playoffs out there in Santa Clara and not San Francisco. Okay. Should they add somebody then? Should they make phone calls for Chase Young, Brian Burns? Any of the, I mean, uh, I don't know, Jerry, Judy, like, could they add another receiver? I mean, uh, you know, depending on how long Jefferson's supposed to be out, could they make phone calls to try to trade for someone? Is that, is that something that entered your mind after they won the other night? No, it didn't. It didn't enter my mind at all. And I'm not sure it even will before the trade deadline. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to see as much. And I know what you're going to counter with right away, you know, is, is I don't see this being a team to invest long-term assets for a potential short-term run. And then the, the the counterpoint to that is of course, well then what are you doing anyway with this? I mean, what the whole, the whole point of this then is you shouldn't be, you should be carving off then. If you're not willing to invest, you should be carving off. I don't know if I buy into that, you know, what are the offers going to be? And I don't, you know, what are we going to learn what the offers are going to be for Daniel Hunter? I mean, that is a, that is a calculated decision that Quasi and the front office are going to have to make like, look, uh, you may be gaining some momentum. You may have a tough sell in the locker room if you do carve off Daniel Hunter. But if there's an offer you can't refuse, I mean, you're committing malpractice because your job is not to look at what's five feet in front of you and two weeks ahead of you in the schedule. I mean, you're building a franchise and you're also been empowered to bring your vision and your ideas and what you think are the decisions that need to be made maybe that aren't the popular decisions, but that are the crucial decisions. Make that decision, own it, sell it, explain it. May not be great for ticket sales, but if you, if that's the, you know, if the, if the Vikings get an offer 
that can demonstrably make them better, not just next year, but for a couple more years, and also position themselves to have more capital to move around in the offseason, that has to be seriously considered. Well, if there's no chance that they're extending Daniil Hunter, but they're four and four, then what do you do there? I mean, I mean, I think that what you do there is you have to just let it be and then take the comp pick like two years from now. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, we got that comp pick from Daniel Hunter. But uh, after we could have used it to help us trade up to get a quarterback. Whoops. Uh, but I, I mean, if four and four. You are playing for the playoffs and you cannot tell the locker room. You can't tell Justin Jefferson. You can't tell Jordan Addison, Christian Derisaw, Brian O'Neill. How about, I mean, how about Garrett Bradbury who returned in free agency? How about Harrison <laughs> Smith? This might be his last year. Yeah. You cannot walk in there and tell Harrison Smith, Hey, and I don't think they would ever trade him. Uh, but like, Hey guy, uh, sorry. Well, you know, had to trade him away too bad. I mean, I think that's that's an issue that Quasey faces because he's going to be the GM at least for a little while, uh, if not a long while. And some of these players are going to be here for a long time. And uh, as it was once said in um, Super Bad, people don't forget. Uh, they don't forget stuff like that when you just give up on a season for the future and you have you know players who are in their primes and they're having great years and they want to fight all the way to the end. If you're four and four, that's going to be a pretty tough case to make. If you are three and five and you go down there and you bleep the bed in Lambeau Field after celebrating this victory against the 49ers, well, then it's a much harder argument for anybody to make. Any of those great players like, hey, you went three and five. What was I supposed to do? The guy's not going to come back and you got a team offering a second round pick or something. I mean, I think that this game swings that decision where Quasey could trade Daniel Hunter at three and five and who can argue against him, but four and four, that's how you drive a wedge in an organization is if the GM wants to trade somebody, but the coach in the locker room doesn't, uh, then I think it becomes a, a big challenge for them if they are four and four. You say, it sounds like you're, you're saying Quasey's put himself in his own handcuffs right now. There's really not much because of the decisions he didn't make prior to this. Now he set himself up to make politically toxic decisions uh, that may be the right decision to make. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see how he reacts to that. You're right. There's a whole slew of alpha males in that that locker room that are going to be in no mood to be mailing it in for the next 10 weeks, especially those north of 30 and those that have put a lot of miles on their bodies. And you mentioned Garrett Bradbury is one of them. Um, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know how you sell that. I don't know how you you can justify to a fan base and to the people, you know, to, to Kevin O'Connell and to that locker room, you know, you need to have the, you know, thousand yard stare and vision that I have. Nobody's going to buy that because players are looking at exactly what's in front of them and the opportunities they're creating. And by the way, that was a hard earned victory on Monday. As you mentioned, you go down the roster, almost everybody played their best game of the season. And, you know, Cousins, that was a top 10 game in his career. Uh, his productivity, Jordan Addison stepping up and again in a big moment. So, boy, that's an awfully difficult conversation to have publicly two weeks later uh, that, yeah, well, you know, but for, you know, uh, the first three weeks, we might not be doing this, but we have to look uh, longer term. And those longer term decisions uh, are fraught with peril. And I, I'd love to see how the Vikings kind of spin that in the middle of a season that, 
a lot of people are looking at now as as kind of at a turning point. Yeah, and that's the way that I would put it. If they win this game, let me let me give it a shot. Let me try to um let me try to argue for making a move to make them better, right? So what we saw the other night, number one, is they beat one of the best teams in the NFL. So you kind of have to start with that, is that their capability at their maximum is that they could beat a great team. That has always been the case, by the way, during the entire Kirk era. They have always had games in every season where they've beaten one of the best teams in the NFL. Always. I mean, they in 2020, which what am I thinking of? Or even no, last year, the Buffalo game where they won that one. Uh, there was one in 2021 where they had where every you know, they were coming in as an underdog. Maybe it was Seattle and they beat the brakes off them early in that season before Russell Wilson got hurt. I mean, they've always had. Oh, and the New Orleans playoff game. They, nobody thought they were winning yeah. that one. They completely outplayed them. The peak of Vikingness under Cousins has always been you can beat any team in the league. The problem is in the playoffs, you have to beat them in succession. And you also have to not have meltdowns in games that you need to make the playoffs like they had in, in 2020 and 2021. But their peak is great. Their offensive line is now great. Legit great after that. Nobody can argue otherwise. Who'd have thunk that, by the way? Well, me a little bit, only because of the tackles, only because of the tackles. Um, but, you know, the interior getting Dalton Reisner, who was just sitting on his couch, is pretty good. And then Garrett Bradbury has played well. But uh, so let's say that you believe with this offense and this offensive line and now Addison emerging as a star in the middle of the season, which he wasn't at the very first part of the season. But now after this, he's got a couple of great games uh, that he's stringing together here. If you didn't have to sacrifice a first round pick that you would still be using potentially to take a quarterback and you made a Hawkinson like move to trade someone that you were going to extend like Brian Burns, who's a great pass rusher from Carolina that could make you better right away and then potentially better for the future as well. Then I don't think it's crazy. Then I think it's actually doable if you're four and four and let's, I mean, let's say Detroit loses that, so you throttle down at four and four. You're, you're talking right. about throttling down yeah. and, and, and shoving more chips into the middle of the table at four and four rather than carving off. But, like but not, are, I mean, the thing is, they already did by bringing back Hunter and Kirk. Like, if they wanted to truly tank, they would have not brought back Cousins and they would have not brought back Daniel Hunter. They would have traded Hunter and Camp. But instead, they said, we're going to keep you around. And, and so at that point, you are playing to win to at least some extent, right? And not like tanking or completely tearing it all down. And oh, by the way, the guy leads the NFL in sacks. Like, no surprise, right? So. I, I'm just saying if they get to four and four and you look at the landscape of the NFC and go, it's only really Philadelphia who's like untouchable. Well, I mean, if you could get somebody that's not going to destroy your future and that you might resign just like TJ Hawkinson, I'm, I'm not against that. And where are you thinking that move needs to be made? What's the most critical area with that? I would, you thinking on offense? No, pass rusher. I think pass rusher is it because you got one guy who's carrying the entire load and then Brian Flores just keeps mashing the blitz button over and over. Uh, but if you like Brian Burns is there, Daniel Hunter in Carolina, he just doesn't have a contract. So, I mean, it probably takes more to get him than a second round pick. So there is that element of it that you probably do have to give up more than that. But 
Chase Young in Washington. There's other guys in Washington too. Uh, Marquez Sweat that uh, is a is a good play. Wait, am I thinking the right guy? Uh, what is his name? Yeah, is that it? Um, like there's there's a couple of guys who are, I'm thinking of Josh Sweat. Who am I thinking of? Someone help me in the comments. Uh, their pass rusher, but there's a couple guys in Washington. Uh, one of them, Jonathan Allen, just had a huge meltdown where he swore a bunch at the media. Like, there's dudes. Derrick Henry is being brought up. There's dudes. There's people who are out there to be traded for. Just saying, uh, that could uh, be kind of interesting. If oh Montez Sweat, yeah, I couldn't remember his first name. Jonathan helping me out there. So, um, you know, I'm just I, all I'm saying is that. I would have been completely against this if they lost to San Francisco. But if you're four and four and you have a chance to get yeah, Montez sweat, you might as well or, act as if you're six and two. You might as well, because you already are in on this season at that point, And you're facing a bunch of teams that aren't any good coming up next. And the key is that you have to be able to believe that he'll be a part of the future, especially with the uh, Hunter situation. Man, you're threading a couple of, nifty needles there you know for making the the case for these bedrock kind of moments or decisions that have to be made that not only affect this season but certainly next season and beyond next season that are going to affect uh the early tenure of a rookie g or not a rookie gm but a second year general manager affect the fortunes of a second year head coach uh potentially uh blow up the locker room in terms of uh you know, loyalty and in terms of, uh, you know, shared sack. I, I, I find it fascinating that you've built these two scenarios out and they're very viable, but do you see any, I mean, has there ever been a franchise in this position that would be that bold at that moment? Um, I mean, we all think of recent history of the Rams kind of going all in on their Super Bowl and their, their quarterback swap, which, you know, they got their ring, but, you know, it looks like maybe the Lions may win that one long-term, but I, I'm just curious, like, how do you measure in what context would the Vikings make either one of those decisions? Guys, I know that you might act tough and pretend that you don't care about how the skin on your face looks, but we all want to show up to football parties and holiday get togethers looking good. That's where Caldera lab comes in over a hundred thousand men trust Caldera lab because of the way it, they give you an easy skincare routine that turns into clear skin. And Hey, it makes for a great gift as well. You're going to want to try the regimen, which has three simple parts. One of them is called Called the clean slate. It is a face wash that leaves you feeling refreshed. Also, the base layer moisturizes and hydrates, and the good helps your skin look tighter and smoother, and dare I even say, younger, which a lot of us could use. Uh, we have all looked in the mirror and thought, when did I start looking like that? Well, trials have shown 94% of men showed improvement in their appearance after using Caldera Lab. So just for you guys, use the code INSIDER at calderalab.com. Get 20% off right now. That is 20% off at calderalab.com with the code INSIDER to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift for this holiday season. Well, I think it would, I mean, number one, it would just, it has to start with you're not giving up like a first round pick. Uh, the other thing is too, that if you don't want to give up future assets, but you also think Kwesi Adafo Mensa can't draft, <laughs> what is it then? Uh, of course he drafted Jordan Addison. So maybe drafting is random, but uh, if you're talking about the ability to get a young 
pass rusher, just potentially, or someone who could put you over the edge. That's a rental that doesn't cost that much. That's a middle round draft pick. And you're looking at the NFC and saying, who are we not stronger than? Who can we not beat? Then I think there's at least an argument for it. I don't like love that and think that's the greatest idea ever. But I also kind of run the simulations in my brain of front office discussions. And I could see that on a Zoom call, you've got the Wilfs, you got Quasey, you got Kevin O'Connell, Brian Flores is in the room, Wes Phillips, maybe you got the whole thing and, and, and whatever. And the coaching staff is saying, look, we only lost those couple of first games by one score and we fumbled a bunch of times, which won't happen again. And they're probably right about that. Look how we played against San Francisco. We beat the heck out of Jordan Love. Our schedule is so easy, but we can't do it without like another pass rusher and maybe a running back. Give us permission to go all in and try to win this season. And I think the Wills would be compelled by that potentially. Potentially. Based on Even what we know we... about them, yes, they are they are fans first. They would absolutely uh take that bait. Even if Quasey is saying, guys, we were trying to competitive rebuild and we are right. Yeah. Our Super Bowl odds are 0.4%. So actually they're 0.6 today, by the way, uh, per Sumer Sports. So uh, like that, he might be making that case. We shouldn't trade for things. But the Hawkinson trade is a really crafty one from last year because they traded for a guy who had a fifth year option. So he was coming back for another year anyway. So it's like added value to that. And then they extend him. And lo and behold, as we saw against San Francisco, he is actually good. Yeah, um, how about I, that? How about that? A guy who's always been good, who had a rough stretch, is actually still good. And he paid anyway, a heavy toll as well. I, hey, for sure. Yeah, he got his ass kicked in that game, but still came out with a lot of great plays. Just saying, I could see that meeting happening, and I could see them agreeing, you know what? Here's the price tag for this guy. Let's do the same thing we did with Hawkinson. We'll get a future player as well as like a now and a later, which I remember Quasey saying a now and a later, which is the whole ethos of this entire thing. Isn't it beautiful, Murph? It's not really, but I, I like talking about it. Yeah, it's all, you know, it's all spreadsheets. I get it. And, and sort of uh, PowerPoints and going on faith and, and, and it's all about winning April. Uh, and winning March, uh, I, I don't find that realm that intriguing. What I find intriguing is the cross currents and the the, the uh, conflicting emotions and agendas that are all going to be at play in that room or on that Zoom call when these opportunities arise in the next couple of weeks. And that's boy to be a fly on the wall there to really understand who, not only who is who is sort of gravitating uh, toward a shared vision, but also you know, how those decisions get hashed out in a management structure behind closed doors. I mean, what we know about the Wills, as I mentioned, you know, they, they're they there for the present. You know, they want to be in the locker room handing out game balls. You know, they want to be, they want to be, they, they want to embrace the joy and the, the, the overall good vibes of owning a billion dollar sports franchise, right? That's what they're there for. But they hire people to make longer term decisions. And sometimes those are not popular and they may be open to criticism. But for, for I mean, these guys are in commercial and retail real estate as well. I mean, there are big decisions made for big time bucks almost every day in their industry. So I don't 
you know, I, I don't see them being sort of, you know, not good stewards of their revenue and also their, their franchise, but there's that tug and that pull of, but I want to be there on Sunday going in the locker room and watching O'Connell hand out game balls as well after a victory. And and I've never been well, who wins that, that power or... struggle, right? The Wills should win it, oh, yeah. but they've also they've also hired somebody who could probably make a compelling case to go against popular opinion. Wait, that's that's exactly right. And they let Quasey take down this roster in a lot of ways with a lot of very popular players who they loved and probably wanted to still be here, but they agreed to this. It's just that we always talk about you're either trying to actually win or you're trying to lose and get the high draft picks and the Vikings are never in that mode. And it's funny when those two things have met each other in a way Uh, at four and four, they meet each other. They meet one side can make a very strong argument. Hey, we are not an actual Super Bowl contender. Our quarterback is not under contract for the future. We need to make sure that we get that quarterback. And by the way, if you give Quinn Ewers or Shadur Sanders or J.J. McCarthy, who apparently will need the sign stolen for him as well, but if you give any of those guys, if you give them Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, this offensive line, the next quarterback's going to be great too if you give them all of this stuff. Right. So there's that argument. But then there's this other. So we need to make sure we're drafting high enough to get a a quarterback. But then the other side of it is, look, Kirk's in his last year. Try to win. Like if you if you got a chance to try to win. Did any of us think I mean, I thought Brian Flores would be good at his job. I didn't know he'd be this good at his job with this talent. I thought right. I thought they were going to get steamrolled. How about if he's got Brian Burns or Jonathan Allen or whatever? I mean, it's going to be better. So it's that's why this is such an interesting discussion, which also, you know, what's interesting as well, Murph, prize picks, which is one of our great sponsors. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about prize picks, Murph, because I'm guessing that you're not a prize picks guy, but maybe you will be. I'm willing to listen. Yeah, 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 as as you should be, and as you're going to anyway. Uh, prizepicks.com, all you have to do to play along is you go to prizepicks.com and you pick the more or less for yardage totals and sometimes touchdowns and sometimes field goals. You pick a couple of them, and if it hits, if it's more yards, then you win or less, whichever one that you picked. So for this week, my picks are KJ Osborne with more than 44 and a half yards, because I think that the Packers are really going to try to stop Jordan Addison. So they will work the ball to KJ Osborne. Kirk Cousins, more than 1.5 passing touchdowns. Has there ever been an easier one to go with that? And uh, Jared Goff with more than 252 and a half passing yards against the Raiders because the Lions are going to be out for a little bit of revenge. So if you go to prizepicks.com and you use the uh, code PURPLE, so prizepicks.com slash PURPLE, they will match up to $100 of your first deposits. And one of the great things is I just plugged this in to prizepicks.com, $20 to win $100. You don't have to, you know, take out a second mortgage or something in order to play along with prize picks. So again, prizepicks.com slash purple with the code purple daily fantasy sports made easy. It's been intense. It's been intense. Murph, you think they're going to beat the Packers because is this a question? I mean, the, the Packers look terrible, but so did the bears and so does Carolina every week. And they barely escaped those games. I haven't, 
been totally convinced by this win that it means they're going to go beat the Packers. There's like a letdown area that, that this team loves to live in sometimes after a big win like this. Uh, I don't know. You think that you think they will show a resilience on a short week to go beat the Packers or is this the classic? Oh, we thought you were good for a second Vikings. And now you're not. Oh, it's, it's definitely a classic misguided expectation game. Um, but I'm willing to buy in uh, and and not so much because of how the I mean, clearly, a lot of it is based on how they played Monday night, but it's more based on how badly the Packers are playing right now. I think I feel like they are a team sort of in search of themselves, their identity. They've clearly pivoted away from Rodgers. They can't really get any rhythm offensively. Again, they've got some serious injuries on defense. They just have looked in the games that I've seen and read about just terribly disjointed. This seems like a transition year. So that's all that's kind of where it's, it's almost like they're meeting him at the right time two or three weeks ago I would not want it to be in Lambeau Field who knows you know they weather wise it doesn't look like it's going to be all that bad so you know instead of dealing with the cold and the slop and the snow of January which always seems to be when they end up there I think they're they're getting him at, at really an opportune time uh their confidence is high there is a letdown factor there as well I'm just not sure Green Bay is going to be able to rise to the moment I, I they just haven't impressed too many people. And I, and I feel like this is an opportunity, you know, the, the Vikings realize they, they got to reprieve. They better realize that they got to reprieve and that they're, they, they, they deserve, they earned a chance at a second look. And now they're getting that second look. The schedule opens up wonderfully for them over the next seven weeks. Um, there's a pathway. And what are they going to do with that? We've talked about the front office intrigue. How is that team going to respond? How's O'Connell going to have them respond? Again, this is why it's a week-to-week drama, right? You build them up, you tear them down, you assess it, you start over again, and that's where we're at. Every little week is a mini, mini drama. It's episodic, and that's what makes it so intriguing, and that's why we tune in every week. So I do think they're going to prevail, um, and I think they're going to go on a decent little run here over the next five or six weeks. But let's see what they do uh, October 31st when the, dra- the, the trade deadline uh, comes and goes. There has never been a truer uh, cliche in Viking land and week to week league, because after Chicago, I was getting notes of people saying like, shouldn't have we have hired Jim Harbaugh? And I was like, no, definitely not. And then of course this whole controversy with Harbaugh comes out, which is like his fifth or sixth controversy since they didn't hire him for perfectly right reasons. And then Kevin O'Connell just gets out the puppet strings and is just pulling every right one against San Francisco. I do think there is something to when you play a team that physical and you get whooped on. I mean, there, there's a play and it's probably not legal uh, where it's a screen and Cam Akers is running with it. And TJ Hawkins is trying to block and J- uh, Nick Bosa attempts to jump over Hawkinson and tackle Akers and just tackles Hawkinson, which is again, like probably defensive holding or something. And Hawkins, that's where Hawkinson got hurt and he was trying to limp off. That's why he went down and you know, that kind of thing. But my point is that, you know, Hawkinson didn't practice and he was beat up and he's got a wrap on his foot today. And there's probably a lot of guys who, even if they did practice and it was just a walkthrough, they are limping around a little bit after playing a a psychotically physical team like San Francisco. 
And then they have a short week to recover. There's like these little things. Then you have to go on the road and then Lambo. And then everyone is crushing Jordan Love for being terrible. But when a team has a really bad loss, what do they usually do? They usually bounce back right? when they're not like a horrendous team. So there's all these kind of little things playing into this one where I've seen this movie before and they lose the game. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't play for them. So I'm not really sure. And I think that Brian Flores is going to entirely scramble Jordan Love's brains. Uh, But I I have a question to finish up the show on, though, Murph, because you uh, have been wonderful. And I'm very appreciative of having you this evening. Uh, A little more energetic, I think, on the stream than like when we wake up at like seven in the morning sometimes and, and do the podcast. But rank your teams in the NFC North by how you feel about where they're going to be in 2025. So, okay. Well, I, I I think the Lions are kind of solidifying themselves as the premier team in the division this season, and they're built for future success. I guess that's a tough question to answer, not knowing what the 2024 draft is going to reveal. Ideally, you could ha- you could certainly have a new quarterback here in Minnesota. You certainly have a new quarterback in Chicago. Again, the way that is trending. Um, I, I would say, you know, I, I give Green Bay and, you know, Jordan Love is is certainly getting wounded on his training wheels here. But, you know, th- that that franchise knows how to develop quarterbacks. So I'm 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 willing to play the long game with the Packers um, and, and feel like that they're going to they're going to bounce back after this season. So I'd say Detroit, Green Bay and then slash Minnesota slash Chicago based on what happens in, in the 2024 draft, because again, you've got these, you know, golf is clearly the, the, not only the senior citizen, but obviously the most accomplished quarterback in the division cousins, if he stays is a year older, but he's still up there and, and, and puts the Vikings in the conversation. But if they're transitioning and love is still ascending and Chicago starts over again, I don't know where you could say any team was. I, I think it's it, there's so much fluctuation in the division right now, and and there's really some mediocrity. And, and other than Detroit right now, and who would have thunk anybody'd say this out loud three years ago? Uh, it's Detroit and everyone else. Yeah, you know, I, that's why the question is, uh, I think, fun to talk about because if we're looking out in the future. Uh, I don't believe in anybody having an ability to whisper quarterbacks into existence. I think Green Bay is in the worst position of any of these teams. If Jordan Love is not good, which so far looks like he's not, or if he's in the middle, if he's Daniel Jones, if he's that caliber of bleh, like not that good quarterback, then you are in a very bad spot because they have an old roster in some areas, not like their whole team. Their whole team is young overall, but like Bakhtieri, Aaron Jones, some of these guys that they've relied on for a long time are not getting younger. So that like what they do at quarterback is very unclear and who their stars in the future are, are very unclear. Chicago, if they draft number one and the guy's as good as you think he's going to be, uh, then they're going to be the best team. Detroit might be a stuck in the middle, but like a good stuck in the middle, depending. I mean, Jared Goff, I, I have a lot of more belief in Jared Goff than some people do. He's already been to the Super Bowl once, so maybe he could do it again. And there are a lot of parts of that roster that are sustainable. If Jared Goff doesn't get them anywhere in the playoffs, this year, though, you start to go, well, what do we do? Like, are they going to extend Jared Goff and then kind of keep rolling that out there? And with the Vikings, 
you could see if they bring back cousins being better, but being like 2019 better where they can win 10 or 11 games and sort of be ish. Or if you run into the age monster at some point with the guy, then you might have a great team, but your quarterback falls off. But if the Vikings were to draft a quarterback and he's a hit by 2025, you are legitimately competing for the Super Bowl with this roster. And I think that's what they can't Certainly lose sight on of. That's right. They can't lose sight of that. But even then, defensively, like Bynum, Metellus, like they've got, you know, uh, Caleb Evans has been pretty good this year. Like they've got some younger pieces who have played pretty well. So I I think that if they play their cards correctly, then it could be them. Um, but uh, it's also very much kind of up for discussion. So they're anyway, not holding their hand though. They're playing their cards. That's the problem. Color. That's the thing. But if they, if they stick with cousins, they roll it out for another year. They don't go anywhere after that. Then, you know, you're stuck in purgatory forever. So uh, are, you're, are you picking the Vikings to uh, win against the Packers Murph? We'll end on that. I am not much more than a field goal. I think the spreads about a point anyway. Uh, I've seen, on either side, but I, I think it's going to be tight. I, I would think like a, you know, 24, 21 type game. <clears throat> Why would you pick a field goal? Like going in for the Vikings? You mean? Yeah. What do you mean? So they do that. What do you mean? Did I say, I said they wouldn't buy a field goal, didn't I? Yeah, I know. I'm saying that there's, there's a little field goal history with the Vikings. I don't know if you heard about it. Like, oh, you know. okay. I see what you're going. I see where you're going there. Yeah. And Joseph looked a little shaky the other night, just kind of, you know, just to kind of tap the hornet's nest. Don't want to kick it yet, but it's always looming. And uh, it turned out that Brock Purdy had a concussion. And so I'm thinking that those weird interceptions at the end of the game may have been a little bit well, I don't want to hear about bad luck for the Vikings anymore because uh, you missed that field goal, which is probably not the best decision. And then the guy throws you the worst interception. <laughs> I don't know. You got away with one a little bit there to some extent. So anyway, usually it's Monday morning, Murph, when we post it on the YouTube channel as well. And normally you're writing a column on Monday, but it's up now at purpleinsider.com, your column about their statement win. Uh, I appreciate everybody who uh, came out this evening to watch live on YouTube. And I really enjoyed this, Murph. This was a, a fun little uh, change up from what we usually do. And I had a lot of fun. Well, we got another Monday night game after Thanksgiving with the Bears. Maybe we scramble it up and 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 give, give them a little bit of a variety, give them a primetime show. You're right. There did seem to be a little more energy than sometimes on Monday morning. Well, usually I'm usually I'm gassed by then. All right. Well, that's uh, all all good. So uh, everybody can look forward to on the on the YouTube channel and podcast feed, of course, our roundtable, as always. Mike Renner is going to join the show. Um, so there's uh, a lot going on here. And of course, from Lambo, we'll be doing the live postgame show from Lambo Field right after the game or an hour or so after the game, after we're done in the locker room. So stay tuned. All right. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone.